Get ready to come into the zone for the next 60 minutes. Your journey will begin in 3, 2, 1. The Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. Your watchman on the wall. Bringing you into the knowledge only found as you pursue the truth. So set back and enter the zone of Bible prophecy and find the hope that every Christian should have. Find out what is going to happen in the year 2012 and beyond. The Middle East, the mark of the beast, the European superstate, Russia, China, Syria, and more. So set back and grab your cup of coffee and your Bible and be prepared to enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Prophecy Zone. Prophecy Zone. Hey, this is Bill Armstrong coming to y'all live today, third Labor Day. Here in the third God, giving you some encouraging for the back to black and enjoy the show. God willing, we might just uh, be blessed today. Uh, we are uh, going to share a quick word with y'all. I hate to say a word quick with God because. Uh, God's word will never return back void, even if it's 10 years later. Um, God's word is so precious, my dear friend. Uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a blessing to be able to just have that word enriched in you. The Bible says that we should let the word of God dwell in us richly, uh, and it is rich. It brings peace into your life. And I'm not lying. Um, I can testify that when I enter into the uh, arms of God and enter into that love of God and uh, get closer to God, the Bible says, submit yourself to God, um, and the devil will flee. But when you're in the process of submitting yourself to God and letting that word go through you, you you have peace in your life. Uh, You're not discouraged all the time. You're not depressed all the time, you're not, I mean, you get depressed, we get discouraged as Christians, but uh, when we read that word and we believe it in faith, um, there are things that happen uh, in our lives that we rejoice, and we acknowledge the fact that we are blessed, we are thankful for what we have and what we are, and uh, what we're going, where we're going in life, and where we're going for eternity. But um, yeah, I, I just want to bless you today with the word. And sometimes when I bless you with the word, it, it gets hard because I, I, I'm not going to um, hold back anything from you because that is what preachers do today in the churches to hold back the word of God from you um, because they don't want to offend you. But... um we become better people if somebody tells me that I need to uh, stop smoking. Uh, It adds five years to your life. Who knows? Uh, Or when somebody comes up to you and says, you need to stop driving so fast. Uh, You slow it down. Who knows what might have happened if you would have just slowed down that one day you got the car wreck. Um, 
there is a famine in the land, and we see the droughts that have happened in the United States and across the world, it is phenomenally uh, a disaster. And a lot of the food prices are going up slowly but surely uh, because of the drought. And um, we know in the Bible it talks about famine as part of the sign of the end time. Well, I would like to um, uh, talk about another type of famine that's coming in the land. And uh, the Word of God talks about that. And we're going to start off in First uh, Timothy 4. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the lighter day of time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience shared with the hot iron. I want to stop there and uh, also go to Amos chapter 8. And Amos chapter 8 kind of does us a favor by hitting the nail on the head. And in Amos chapter 8, it talks about a famine. Well, here it is. <clears throat> Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the day come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing of the word of God, or hearing of the word of the Lord. Um, the word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, there's something happening in verse 11 in Amos that the famine is not of bread or water, the food or water, but is the hearing of the word of the Lord. Now, is that because the word of the, there's no preachers or there's no messengers or there's no Bibles in the houses? Uh, every house has a Bible probably in it. Uh, and most houses probably have over three Bibles in the house. And I got a picture from one of the brothers on Facebook that has dust on the Bibles, on this Bible, and it's a picture and it says, uh, uh, I think it says, pull it off the shelf. And uh, we're just not reading it, reading the Bible. It's not that it's a famine and the preachers. Now, there is a famine of Galatians chapter 1 where it says, if, a man, if someone preaches another gospel, they are cursed. There is a famine of wrong doctrine. And we'll get to that in a minute. But right now, I'm, I'm talking about just literally the Word of God. Now, when we think about the weapons of our warfare, when this Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, in, in, in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 5 9, I think it is. It says that the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, um, but they're mighty. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6, 
It talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and high places, meaning we wrestle against spiritual forces which are invisible. We can't see them. They're demonic. They're demons that we're fighting against. They're the kingdom of Satan. These dominions work for Satan. And their chief aim is to um, get you to drop your weapons. Now, we are in America and in the rest of the world being disarmed by governments because the governments acknowledge that an armed citizen is an equipped citizen. Now, the, the arm that I'm talking about today, though, is the devil realizes that an armed citizen with the word of God is an equipped citizen. Uh, Matthew 4, Jesus went up to the mountains and was led about into the mountains to be tempted uh, by the devil. And Jesus said, it is written. I'm going I'm to go ahead and go there. But first, I was trying. I want to um, read one piece of scripture. And uh, that piece of scripture is Hosea chapter 4. And um, chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, where do you get knowledge from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you get the knowledge from God, the, the word of God. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Now, to reject the word of God is is not necessarily rejecting that you believe that God can uh, do something for you. <clears throat> but the Bible says having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So the rejection is that the devil sends a message uh, of doubt that the word of God can't solve your problems. So one of the ways God, that the devil disarm you is before you even get to the word. Because if if you open up the word of God, it might work the first time, which will lead to another session of Bible reading, which leads to the third session of Bible reading, which leads to the fourth and fifth and so forth and so on. He does not want you to read the Bible at all. Um, so once you, before you get to the Bible, he's going to uh, sow the seed of doubt. By the culture that we live in, so when you when you're watching TV and you watch mass media, watching the movies and watching uh, sitcoms who belittle Christians and belittle um, belief in Christ and, and belittle going to church even, um, that if, if he can disarm you to believe in it, it's the gun's fault. You know, like you see the Aurora shooting in Colorado. Uh, we, we need to get rid of the guns because, you know, it's the guns that are shooting people. It's not the people using the guns to shoot people. So the devil has to disarm us from God's word by setting out 
a campaign to belittle Christianity. Um, and as far as the people in the church, the devil wants you to believe that you can listen to the pastor on Sunday, be fine with just that. And remember what Jesus said, man must not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Now, the bread part is really, really um, telling. And to say the least, it is really important to focus on the whole piece of scripture that Jesus is talking about. And I'm going to go ahead and go to Matthew's 20, I'm going to Matthew's 4. I'm so used to saying 24. And um, it is so important that we take a look at the scripture because, <clears throat> excuse me, it says in uh, Matthew 4, 4, it says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, how many times you got to eat a week? So, if you're not a hog, you don't eat snacks between the meals uh, like kids do. I, I kid you not, kids need snacks between the snacks. Um, my nine-year-old, man, he tries to eat up everything in the house. Um, but man must not live by bread alone, but you, you got to live by bread. You got to live by food, right? Bread represents food in this. Uh, and three times a day, seven days a week, is 21 times, plus any other thing you add in there. Now, what if somebody came up to you and said you were, you were only able to eat one one meal a week, uh, and that's on Sundays? What do you do? You starve to death. Well, we got a country full of starvation. And go back to Amos chapter 8. There's a famine in the land. And we're starving for the word of God. And it's not the preach, it's not just the preacher's fault, what I'm going to talk about in a minute. It's it's everybody's fault. And, and what, what happens is we put so much on these false prophets that we're not taking responsibility for ourselves. We're saying, okay, there, this false, this false prophet slipped. This false prophet did this. This false prophet teaching that, and and we're so aimed on the responsibility of the pastor, which they're gonna have to stand in front of God and give an account anyway. But you, that doesn't change the fact that you're gonna end up in heaven or hell because your pastor or some other pastor, or ten years ago some pastor led you the wrong way. You're going to end up having, you're going to still have to stand in front of God to give an account. And the famine in the land is solved easier than the famine in the land for food. Because what I'm saying to you and what I'm saying to everybody is pick up that food and eat it. You know, you get a sick person who doesn't have the appetite to eat, but they need to eat. Normally in the hospital, what they do is they put a machine on you and force you to eat. God is not going to force you to do anything. You're going to have to 
establish that relationship with God. You're going to have to have that new uh, anointing, that new zeal, that new um, uh, hotness. Because remember he said to the church of Laodicea, I wish that you were hot, which is extremely zealous for God. Now, do I need to be zealous for God to read my Bible? Sometimes we don't want to read our Bible, but we have to understand, hey, this is life. This is eternal. Wherever you spend your time is probably where you're going to spend your eternity. If you are working for the forces of evil, some people say, well, what do you mean by working for the forces of evil? If you ain't on God's side, what did Jesus say? to the disciples when they say, Master, this guy is over here and he's prophesying and he's speaking in your name. He says, if he's not if he's if he if he's not for me, he's against me. If he's if he's for us, he's not against us. That means, hey don't love the world and the things of the world, it says in first John two fifteen. You're, 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 in Colossians chapter 3, it talks about your affections, your affections being in heaven. Brothers and sisters, you need a heart transplant, a heart that is wanting and thirsting after righteousness, that is running and thirsting after God, who wants to come to the Him. To the to the to the feet of Jesus, and, and and grab him his his robe and say, "Heal me, God." If you if you have a sexual addiction, if you have a, a anger problem, if you have a, a a drug problem, alcohol problem, God can set you free. But folks, it's it, it's a it's a it's a it's it's very important that we realize. That we have to understand that God wants to separate us from our sin. Do you know that's why one of the reasons why Jesus came? To defeat the works of the devil? To take away your sin? And I'm going to talk about that on, on another program. In a minute, I'm going to go into Bible prophecy. I might have to, I'm going to go ahead and extend this show a little bit. But uh, if it's not already extended. But the key is that the Lord wants us to be free of sin. Because if you're an Olympic runner... And they tie weights to your body, you're gonna be struggling to meet your goal. Now, Christianity is not a race to the swift. It's not a forty yard dash. It's more of a a long distance run. And we need to finish well. But we first have to make sure we even in the game. Because we have a theology going around saying that easy believism 
is the place to be. In other words, three years, four years, ten years ago, I could have said to God, God, forgive me for my sins. Let me come into heaven. And then after that, I'm fine. I don't have to say anything else. I just go and live my life the way I was living before. Or you start off fine and you end, you don't end. And the Bible gives no gratitude for uh, starting well and not finishing. It even talks about estimating the cost, counting the cost. You count the cost. How much? I mean, how much are you willing to uh, to live for the Lord? We we don't want to live a carnal life. A carnal life is probably absent from God's word, or it's probably absent for um, proper translation of God's word. Sometimes we transliterate. We take things out of God's. We take it out out of God's word. We take out take God's word out of contents, and we have to have a proper perspective on God's word. Because remember, there's a famine in the land. Now, the famine can also be improper food. If you if you think about it, a lot of people get just because you have food don't mean there's not a famine. Uh, you can have food that is defective, food that is poisoned, food that is, you know, spoiled. Um, and if this is the case, uh, we need to get some fresh food. And a lot of times seed, seed or grain is a, a good food. Grains, different types of grains, different types of corns and wheat. Um, go figure. The word of God is, is considered a seed sometimes um, that grows into someone's heart and and, and life. Um, we know that today the cross, this is in First uh, Corinthians one eighteen. For the preaching of the cross is to them that prayer is foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. The power of God. The more you read the word of God and learn of his knowledge, the more you're able to be set free from the bondages. But uh, to be set free from bondage, we must what? We must acknowledge our, our sins before God. It says in Proverbs twenty eight thirteen, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. <coughs> so God wants us to acknowledge our sin, but we will never know that. And I just want to read that key one of the key verses. We'll never know that if we don't read his word if it's on the shelf or if we already have a messed up uh, theology or belief. Now, God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but to me. He says to the lady at the well, you must worship me in spirit and in truth. Now, the spirit will lead you to truth. It won't lead you to error. It will lead you to spirit. 
truth. Now, there are spirits, that will, demonic forces that will lead you to error, and you have to know that. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We wrestle against demonic forces, and, and, and they want to disarm you. They want you to drop your shield. They want you to drop your buckler. They want you to, to to drop your definitely drop your sword, which is the word of God. Uh, the word of God is an offensive weapon, and it is it's, it can be a defensive weapon too. You can block. You can block with a knife. Uh, so God's word uh, is a lamp to our feet. It 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 is it is. It sets the path. In Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6, it talks about leaning on God's understanding. Uh, God's, God's word will, will lead you to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It will lead you to a righteous life. Now that I spent 30 minutes um, on this, we're going to take a break. And uh, when I get back, uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit more about this. And then we're going to go into Bible prophecy. Because Bible prophecy, it fits into this. Uh, we must be ready. Uh, he said to the church of Philadelphia that you have kept the words of my patience. And uh, he, he told them that uh, they have little strength. Uh, what does that mean? They have little strength. Uh, what did he say to the Church of Philadelphia, uh, to the Church of Laodicea? They were rich and they needed nothing. They were uh, neither hot or cold. They were lukewarm. A lot of that has to do with God's word, uh, not reading God's word, not interpreting God's word correctly, uh, letting a pastor tell you what you should be thinking uh, and how you should think. And going off that word for that week, uh, and uh, if if we don't spend time with the Lord, and we don't meditate on the Lord's word, and we don't get that word in us, and we don't obey that word, and look at that word, and study that word, now people say, "Well, you want us to do that all day?" Well, do it sometimes. And that more than it comes, they come to the point where we need to uh, ask God to give us zeal for His, for Him. Um, it comes for a time where God's Word exposes our inner thoughts, our inner motives, and when our motives are bad, uh, we want our motives to be good. And, and the Lord wants the best for us. The Lord doesn't want the best for us where we get to a point where we're like Laodicea. You know, we're rich and we need nothing because technically America, is a, we're blessed anyway. We're a blessed place. And even the poor people are more blessed than the third world countries. But um, God wants us, he wants the best for us, but he wants peace for us at heart. I mean, what good is it if you're rich or you got a lot of money and you and your wife is arguing every two seconds 
and 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 leaving and going to stay stay with her mom and you you taking trips and and sleeping with prostitutes and you're you want to you're suicidal but you really don't know it and your wife is and when y'all she does come home she got uh, a big a bottle of, of vodka in the um, underneath the sink and she's depressed and you're depressed and everybody's depressed and the kids are depressed I mean what good is it when you if you're rich. Or what good is it if you're rich and you're happy, but you're headed to hell when you die? I mean, God's word brings us back to reality that all the riches on Broadway, all the riches in Hollywood is is nothing uh, if you don't have peace. But it's really nothing if you don't have Jesus. Because Jesus, I mean, he's real, folks. And you have that relationship with Christ. It's real. It's, it's, it's that peace. You can feel the spirit. You can, it's not all about spillings all the time, but you, you still have that, that inner peace when you're, when you're, when, 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 when you're pleasing God. And and when you're not pleasing God, he's going to tell you. But it's all about truth. Because he can't tell you if you if you have a bad theology. He can't tell you if you're lacking. Uh, you, your, your image of God is lacking. Who you think God is is lacking. And, and let me read. Now I'm going to go to break in a second, but. Let me read this once again because it's, it's Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God. And Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, when it's a list of end-time attitudes, at at almost the end, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There is power in the blood. There is power in Jesus Christ to set men free, to set the captives free. Well, if somebody say, well, what did he mean by set the captives free? Set the sinner free. Who the son sets free is free indeed. If you, if you have, if you, if you, if you, in bondage to to lustful thoughts and lustful sins, he can set you free. He can set you free, my friend. He can set you free. The war is the mind. The war is in the mind. The knowledge of the world versus the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God versus the knowledge of false Christianity. The knowledge of God versus false religions. Because if you don't pick up the Bible, you you are already at a war. You just don't know it. The the, the, the proverbial frog, you stick a frog in hot water, he's going to jump out. But if you put a frog in cold water and slowly turn it up, you're going to burn that frog. And see, our society has given way to illusions that Christianity is fine as long as you go to church 
and you come home and you don't bother anybody about your Christianity. Television came out in 1948, the same year Israel became a nation, and television has gotten terrible with a giant capital T. The school systems do not want you, the colleges especially these this, these years, folks, do not want you to mention God. They don't want you to have, you know, a, a club, a Christian club. They are being intolerant about Christianity in these last days. Matter of fact, I can see the metamorphosis. I can see the 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 the, the times that we're living. People are getting intolerant every day. It used to be every month or even every year, but now it's every day. Pretty soon it's going to be every hour when they come searching for your house. The Russian and China soldiers are coming, and the British are coming. <laughs> not necessarily British, but they're going to come house to house searching, not for your guns, which they will yeah, actually, yeah, because they want to disarm you physically and spiritually. They're going to come searching for your Bible. Folks, Satan has already disarmed a lot of people from their Bible. Now they're working on your guns because they know if you've got your guns, you can fight against them and keep your Bibles. Satan wants your guns because if if he can attack a free nation and get into your house, he's going to get into your Bible. He's going to get your Bible, that dusty Bible off the shelf. He, won't, he don't even want you to have the attempt to read the Bible. We're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll be back. October 30th, 1991. President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTernan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcternan.name.
used to resurrect Jesus. And if you notice that Jesus said he would resurrect himself when he talked about the temple, we know that God the Father resurrected him and the Spirit of God resurrected him. So the triune God resurrected himself. But um, the same power that was used to resurrect Jesus is the same power you have to rely on to be used to break your bondages. But first you have to realize that they are bondages. Um, and I read that earlier. Let me see if I can find it again. Uh, that the scriptures say that uh, you have to acknowledge your sins. In First John, um, go ahead and read it. First um, John one eight says, "If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." Let's let's keep this on a daily basis. So when I read that, think of it daily, because you need a relationship with the Father. Now remember back in the day. Back in the Old Testament, before Jesus, they had a priest that had to go into the temple. They had to tie something to his leg. And if he, he, he even sneezed the wrong way, he's dead. So he goes into the temple, and he he represented the people. Now, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, and uh, said, it is finished, the veil broke. So we, as uh Kings and priests can go into the Holy of Holies and uh, represent other people and represent ourselves. But uh, on a daily basis, we need a relationship with Jesus by his word and by him personally. Now, it says, if we say that we have no sin on a daily basis, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just on a daily basis to forgive us on a daily basis of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness on a daily basis. If we say that we have not sinned on a daily basis, I hate, I hope I ain't irritating y'all when I say that, but I'm trying to make a point. We make him a liar on a daily basis and his word is not in us. Remember, there's a famine in the land. Um, folks, I could sit up here for weeks and talk about famine and, and land and use different analogies. So, in our conduct, we can deny God's word also and still be reading the Bible. Um, but we have to acknowledge, like David, that I have sinned against God and Him only. Of course, God is going to want you to go and apologize to people that you might have sinned against but <clears throat> and if they accept your apology then fine uh, they don't then forgive them some you're not obligated I don't think but um, we always obligated because you don't want to go off and unforgive somebody because it's going to be on your mind like Georgia on your mind it's going to be on your mind that you want to whatever <laughs> but um but um, it's it, it's it's really important, folks, that we acknowledge that we we sin daily. Now, there are some sins that don't uh, we don't know about. So, just forgive me for what I've done. 
forgive me for what I don't know, but forgive me for fussing at Mr. Johnson down the street, you know, comes by our house, and every time he comes by our house, he drops a cigarette butt, you know, or, you know, my coworker or my daughter or, or my wife, you know, or, you know, some, some bad thought. And um, that's what I want to talk about on the next show is is the thoughts. It sin begins in the thoughts because if you remember <coughs> in the book of James, it talks about uh, the initiation is is our own um, lust. So we have to get a get a get a hand on our thought life, and the only way we can get a hand on our thought life is through God's word. And, and faith in God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's reading the word of God or listening to the word of God. And and we should go online. If you're going to go online and listen to a preacher, be very selective. Be very selective. Ask God. Say, God, give me a spirit of discernment. Because you know, it is healthy to go online and listen to preachers. But make sure you break the Bible open for yourself. You know, don't don't make it so dry and bland where I'm going to do me a devotional. I'm going to read two two pieces of um, scripture and leave. Well, sometimes you know it's better than nothing. Um, but um, the days that we live right now, we we're going to need to eat a little bit more. You know, some of the bigger wrestlers, uh, some of the bigger football players need to eat. Uh, and if you're gonna do something big for God, you need to eat. You need to eat. You can't just eat on Saturday or Sunday. Or I believe Saturday is the Sabbath. You know, when I was right the first time, you can't just eat on Saturday or Sunday. You got to eat the whole week. Or you're gonna faint. Faint, folks. We got people fainting spiritually, and you need that strength. God wants to give. God wants to supply all your needs, and everybody's. Oh, God wants to supply all my needs. He wants to buy me a new Rolls Royce, or He want to give me some of those that new tennis shoes that came out by Adidas. He want to get supply all my needs. So I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to church with my girlfriend because He's gonna supply all my needs. You know, your auntie told you. God's gonna supply all your needs. That she means auntie means He's gonna supply peace to your soul. He's gonna supply. Uh, strength not to sin against them. He's going to supply the heart not to want to sin against them. He's going to supply those needs, and he's going to supply. If you want to be a doctor, your kids want to be a doctor, be a doctor. But tra- tell them, you know what? The most important thing is to live for Christ. And then when you become a doctor, you become generous, and you don't forget His word. You don't leave it on the shelf and it's rusting out. Once I get where I want to get, I got what I got, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the stuff away from God. You no, know, you know what you do. Life can be sad when you're doctor. You want to be you want to be you want to be I hate to use this word you want to be happy. Who wants to be sad? You know what? You can keep Creflo Dollar. You can keep your stuff. You can keep your you can keep your Rolls Royce and all this other stuff. I'm telling you right now, you you want peace in your life. 
You don't want to be going around because I got got all these things. I don't know why I'm sad, though. So let me go, even on rubber snowblow, let me go to the store and get me a pint or give me some whiskey and stick it up under the sink. And every time I go in the bathroom and I come out, I'm a, I, I, got the, I got the spirit of alcohol. You don't think there's no preachers smoking, drinking? Yeah, there's some preachers drinking. Because they forgot God's word. They're not, and I'm not judging nobody. Judging. I'm just judging, 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 some judging. I, 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 I learned from, from, from what I tell people and from my life not to do those things. But everybody needs to, we need to pray for even some of the people like Zachary Timms. We need to pray for those type of guys who, who we think doing good because they're out in the public eye. We need to pray for T.D. Jakes before we find out, well, T.D. Jakes was found, you know, dead. And unfortunately, I don't want that to happen, but I'm just giving you an illustration. These men have become the, the focus point for the famine. Remember Joseph solved the Egyptian problem by storing away food for seven years. And then they had food for the first seven years. Well, God's word needs to be stored in our hearts so we can go and do these last day things because you want to stand in front of God and what you do for God now, ask not what you can do for yourself, ask what you can do for God. Ask him not what he can do for you. You're not saved by works. God has done so many things for me, man. I'm not rich. I got, and I still got plenty. But we are in the end times, folks. We smoke into the end times. I mean, I'm talking weeks, maybe months. And I know some people don't want to hear that. As if hell, heaven is like potholes and, and Mama's eating babies. Heaven is not, heaven is not like I hate to be so mean to say that, but this world, man, is not my home. Man seen in Miami eating somebody else's face. I mean, this is not my home. Every time I turn it on TV, there's a naked woman on the car, on the on the on the TV. Or or you see your child at school and he come home and learning things from his buddies, and I mean. You're going to send them into a, a, a world full of wolves. Send my kid outside to play, and one week he's preaching the gospel, and the next week he's throwing a shoe at somebody. They say, that's your fault, Father. Yeah, it is my fault. I, I'll take the blame for it. I don't care. I mean, I pray for him. I sorrow for him. You know? I mean, we even teaching our kids hypocrisy. Because they even have not the word of God in them. We have to sit down. And, and nowadays, you sit kids down, and they're sitting there yarning, digging in his nose. Um, I say, man, you just got up and you're falling asleep on me. And, I, and the word that I'm preaching is not something to fall asleep on. And you know it and I know it. Well, he's only nine years old. Well, he's almost ten. Everybody, I mean, we give, we give, we, we, Give our kids the license to be as dumb as we let them be. You say, well, what do you mean? That's mean. As long as we say, oh, poor baby. Once we just go ahead and tell this kid, man, 
you know what? You can be as responsible as you want to be. I mean, I'm not going to say you forgot this, you stupid dummy. You know, I'm not going to do that to my child, but I'm just saying we need to tell these kids, hey, you 10 years old, you can be a lot more responsible. And then when they get 13, 14, 17, 18, 21, 22, they're going to be responsible. What's the matter, Charlie? What's the matter? To an 18-year-old. Come on, man. Get out of here, dude. Go get a job. Good stuff. I love them to death. But some of these kids, man, they say, well, it begins in the house. Well, I must have failed. (laughs) I mean, I'm not afraid to say, man, it's my responsibility. I'm not going to shake my responsibility. I'm just going to say I'm a mass failure. I mean, geez. I'm speaking in cold. I'm speaking like some of those ladies on um, Lexi's talk show who speak in cold. I'm speaking in cold. I'll tell y'all what I'm speaking about. But I'm going to tell y'all right now, let's talk about Bible prophecy right quick. Um, It seems that the United States is um, turning its back on uh, Israel. And it says in uh, Genesis chapter 12 that if we bless Israel, we'd be blessed. If we curse Israel, we'd be cursed. Um, He sent his general, when I say he, Barack Obama sent his general over uh, to give that message that, you know, you're on your own. And we kind of know in the Bible that when the Bible says that Israel would be a burdensome stone to the whole world, it apparently started with the United States. We're the ones giving the signal that the Bible wrote about thousands of years ago that Israel is now getting on my nerves. Remember when the microphone was shut off, or they at least thought it was shut off. I don't even know. If they, I was thinking that they did it on purpose. But he's like, um, you know, Barack, he said, uh, Barack Obama was like, Netanyahu, get on my nerves, man. I'm serious. <laughs> it's like, wow. So now, I, I, I'm, I'm telling y'all right now, I think he's made it official. Um, I haven't been on the radio program, so y'all really don't um, for a while. So y'all really don't know where I'm standing at on 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 this. But um, we we've been wrong before, and I like being wrong. But this time, I'm gonna tell y'all. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I I, I want to be right this time, and uh, I've been studying this thing for 17 years, and we uh, you know most of the stuff that I say has come true. Um, I believe that we are at the door of um, Jesus Christ coming back. And I'll tell you why. Um, Jesus fulfilled the first four feasts talked about in Leviticus uh, chapter 23. And God said, Jesus said himself, or the Lord said himself, that these these feasts, they are my feasts. And um, the feast that we're talking about is uh, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruit, Pentecost of the first four feasts. 
that happened in the spring. Now, there's another set of three feasts. So, technically, there are three spring feasts, one sort of hanging towards the summer feast, and uh, three fall feasts. Now, the next fall feast on the schedule, and remember, these are appointed times, so they are scheduled times, is the Feast of Trumpets. Now, the Feast of Trumpets, what I want to focus on today, Jesus said, you know when I'm at the door. One of the things I want to focus on today is that the Feast of Trumpets is known as the doors, the day of the doors. Uh, when you read uh, Revelation chapter 4, it says that there were doors that were open in heaven. And John was caught up. Uh, so that's one of the. Uh, so when you when your uncle is or your family's headed here for um, <coughs> Thanksgiving, and you hear a knock at the door, and they say it's us. You, they are they at the house? Yeah, you could say they're at the house. Um. The Feast of Trumpets is also known as the Feast of Trumpets. So it's known as Rosh Hashanah. Uh, so it's the New Year, Jewish New Year. But the Feast of Trumpets is another name for it. And uh, it talks about in First Corinthians 15 that that at at the last trump we should be changed uh, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. Now, what trump are they talking about? Well, on Rosh Hashanah, there are a series of 100 blasts over the two-day period. And let me explain that it is two days. Uh, so the so the trumpet blast will be played by a priest, or I don't know who exactly is the one who plays the trumpet. But the trumpets will be sounding all over the city. But there's one main trumpet, I think, in the main trumpet, probably at the Sanhedrin or probably outside the temple or a possible temple. And they blow a series of blasts, a hundred for the first for the two days. So it's known as the Feast of Trumpets. Another another name is known as the um, concealment of the moon or the day of concealment, meaning in order to know when the Feast of Trumpets starts, there's a new moon which has a sliver, a small sliver of a moon. Maybe if you look at a moon and it's probably about maybe 7% of the moon showing, maybe more, 10, 12%. And once that sliver is seen, then the two witnesses of that day will come to the Sanhedrin and say, there is a new moon, therefore the Feast of Trumpets has just started. So let's go ahead and celebrate it. Um, it's also known as the the marriage um, of the groom, uh, the marriage of the bride and groom. Uh, so today I want to actually just talk about the coming uh, Feast of Trumpets. Now, what year the Feast of Trumpets when Jesus comes back, 
I don't know. But I do want to draw something. I want to draw something to your attention that uh, when a lady, when my wife actually had her babies, uh, she would get a one contraction, and then they would be spaced apart, you know. And then as she gets closer to having the babies, the contractions will move closer to each other. And once she get ready to have the baby, the contractions will go off the Richter scale. I mean, it's time for her to she dilate. It's time for her to have the baby. Well, the, Jesus compared uh, these days as birth pains. Now, learn the you know parable of the fruit uh, fig tree, but he also compared uh, these days to birth pains. And um, when the birth pains get to a max, that means that the Messiah will be giving birth, or the Messiah will come back and reign on the earth. Now, the day of the Lord is a thousand-year period. Now, in Peter, uh, it says the day of the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So we know, at least the Christians, the believers, believe that we already had 6,000 years of history. And on the 7,000th year, it would be the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord in the Bible is said to come with tribulation. Um, and the day of the Lord is, is no, nothing to sleep about. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and read, <coughs> excuse me, um, <coughs> just a little bit of uh, Joel chapter 2. It says, and I want you to keep an eye on the trumpets, okay? It says, blow ye a trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain, that all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is at hand, a day of darkness and a day of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. And I want to stop right there. So the day of the Lord comes, the Bible says, as a thief in the night in the New Testament. And... um uh, that's another name for Rosh Hashanah. It's, the, it's, it's when the um, bride, the groom, comes for his uh, bride. He goes into the in the middle of the night and takes her out as a thief. Well, in uh, John fourteen, he says, Jesus says, "In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you." I will come again and will receive you unto myself. There will, I am, you will be also. So I took that out of context. I, I didn't read that off the Bible. I just read it by per, my, my my memory. But um, in in the Old Testament, uh, Abraham sent Eleazar out to get a to find a wife for uh, Isaac, and uh, he went and did that. And they Eleazar went to the father of the um, future bride. Uh, I think it's Rachel or Rebecca. I don't know which one it is. I always get those two mixed up. Well, anyway, um, he pays a diary or a down payment to the father of the girl. And then the, he goes back and he tells his son, and the son goes to meet the girl and says, I approve. He comes back and he prepares a place for her. Well, this is Jewish customs. And uh, that's why Jesus said that. Now, 
people say, well, uh, no one knows the day and hour of Jesus' return. Now, that's true. But there's also the name for another name for Rosh Hashanah. Now, me, myself, I got a name. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a veteran. I'm a student at times. Um, you know, I'm a neighbor. I'm an American. I got a lot of names. Uh, not a, a lot of um, group settings also that I'm a part of. Um, Rosh Hashanah has a lot of names. And it's also known as the, the day of no man knows, the hour. Now, remember the slither of the moon, the two witnesses have to come out, and, and it's not it's not the new year until they see that slither and, and the moon. Um, so when people say, well, no man knows the day and hour, well, technically they're right, because if you're in New York and I'm in, and I'm in uh, Washington State, we got a different hour. And if I'm in uh, Washington State, and you're in Israel or you in Russia, Russia got a lot of time zones. So it's a different day and a different hour. So to even argue that point is kind of silly. Um, but we know that we are, we are in that time frame. Now, am I trying to say well, I know what day and hour? No, but I, I kind of know when he's at the door. If it's a two-day event, he's at the door. Now, if it's this year, I don't know for sure. I know this, that if my wife goes to the hospital and have a baby, uh, they never sent her home. They sent her home one time with my son, Ralphie, but um, she was only home for 24 hours. She went back and had the baby. Now, they ne- they're not going to send her home for another year. And I've been studying this thing for seven, 17 years, and, and the contractions are too close. The, the signs are too there's too many things going on. Matter of fact, there are thousands of earthquakes that are happening daily. Um, and it's jumping off the Richter scale. Now, they're, they're not massive earthquakes, but the earth is trying to tell us something, that it's groaning, just like it says in Romans chapter 8. The earth is groaning for its Messiah. It's groaning. It's, it's, it's crying out, you know, rescue us from uh, corruption. Now, it's now, is it the corruption that we're doing to the earth? Don't let them people fool you. We're not killing off the animals and all this other stuff. Those are the globalists lying. Uh, that's not what the Bible's talking about. The God made the earth so it can do these types of things. And, and yeah, it's going to answer to the Messiah. I mean, the, the, world, the world should shake at Jesus' presence. As you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, that's why I believe that the rapture and the church will happen simultaneously. That's a stupid reason. Yeah, it probably is. But I understood that every time somebody came off the ground, came off the ground, the earth shook. So uh, I just that's just me. That's just my belief uh, that uh, the uh, world will shake at God's presence. Now let's talk about the stock market. Uh, what 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 what's going to happen to the stock market, folks? I am not a person who looks at the glass half empty, but I have to give y'all this message. For me to look the other way, you know, I, I'll be not it, not. it won't be good. 
I'm not in it for no money. I don't ask for no money or nothing. I don't ask for it. And there's nothing wrong for asking for money because the church has to function. But, I mean, I got thousands of listeners. I can have millions of listeners. But uh, a lot of times, uh, uh, I just... uh, I just sort of, um, I'm sorry, I'm doing something else. I can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I'm messaging my cousin from Michigan. I think she's in Michigan. So uh, I I can't walk and chew gum at the same time sometimes. I just can't do it. But anyway, let's continue on right quick. We got 24 minutes left. So... Uh, I I see a lot of pronosticators who are actually excellent at what they do. Now these are not just people on you know uh, CSNBC. These are people who know what they're talking about. And Gerald um, Salente is one of them. Look him up on when you get the chance on Google. Gerald um, Salente is like accurate. Very accurate, even though he mouths off, and he talks all you know. He talks like a, he's Italian, and he just he says some of the funny stuff. But he's the most accurate prognosticator, uh, one of them. And uh, him and a few other guys are saying that the markets are fin to collapse. And I know a lot of y'all don't want to hear that, but um, the United States, as we know it can soon come to an end. Um, now, what will this market collapse look like? Will it look like 2008? Will it look like 1987? What would this collapse look like? Will it look like 1972, 73, when the gas prices skyrocketed? I mean, what what would this what would this thing look like? Uh, to answer your question, I believe that it will look very bleak. Uh, I believe that it will look so bad that they need a savior to come and save the world from destruction and from chaos and from hunger and from death. And the Antichrist will come to the scene just in time, as if it was a uh, theater. You know, the curtains go up. Now, food uh, will be scarce. Uh, There's going to come a time where the credit cards um, that we have will not work. Uh, that's the kind of market collapse we're talking about, overnight collapse where the president has to get on the phone and tell the banks to cut off the cards and cut off money flowing out of the banks. Because remember, we have a fractional reserve banking system where the banks don't hold all their money on hand. The banks only hold like 10% of the money, maybe a little bit more than 10%. But if the bank had, say, for instance, the bank had um, $30 million in, in, in deposits. Uh, 
Well, they don't have thirty million dollars in the bank. They only probably have like one million, maybe. So if the uh, <coughs> excuse me, so if there is a bank run and the people want their money, um, the banks ain't gonna be able to give it to them. What can the banks do but shut the doors? Well. I'm going to tell you why the markets are going to collapse. One of the reasons why is derivatives. There's, derivatives is a highly sophisticated um, policy scheme, which Giro Salente says, where uh, the money's not there. And the investments are based off of some of the most rigorous, stupid um, requirements. For instance, if it snows in Dallas and if it rains in San Francisco and if uh, Hawaii gets a giant meteor hit it, then you've won. Of course, they set it up for people to be obviously winners, but for so long, um, you know, you go and invest a little bit of money. You know, Hewlett Packard goes and invests $1 million and they come out of there with... Uh, $100 million worth of derivatives. Or to be even blinked, they go in there with $1 billion and come out with $20 billion. Uh, and it's just a Ponzi scheme. And it's like a giant casino. And uh, where's the money in between? I, I traded commodities back in 2007. And I was doing pretty good for a while. And, and and then I noticed I got the Moses complex where I didn't want to be in Pharaoh's household anymore. I wanted to be a Christian again. I know it doesn't make any sense, but I just didn't tie the stock market with being a Christian together. Now, had I been something else, I probably would have been good with it. But um, I, I was making four. I made like four hundred, six hundred dollars, you know, a day. That's if I was really patient, and uh, I just got tired of it. You know, I started. Um, that's before I got saved, actually, because then beer and alcohol creeped in, and then I decided, yeah, I want to be saved. But um, I used to control lots of bushels, soybeans, for a little bit of money. Um, and that's how the stock market works now. And it's a big Ponzi scheme with credit default swaps and all this other stuff that they're doing where um, the general public has no idea that these things are happening. Uh, and then they'll tell us on the news that the markets are bad because, you know, you stupid American citizens buy a house when you can't afford it. You know, they don't say stupid, but, you know, they, they're actually, you know, they're insinuating that we're stupid, you know. You know the government is the biggest wasters in in the world history, and we're we're the stupid ones. We supposed to pray for our government, but for right now, I'm expo- I'm telling you, I'm exposing them for who they are. Uh, we are headed for martial law overnight. Now, what percentage am I sure this is going to happen this year? Last year, I was like sixty five percent. This year, I'm like 95%, maybe even 98%. Uh, I've been studying this thing for a while. Uh, we could go one more year. The baby's got to be hatched. The baby's got to come. I mean, this thing is this thing is it's going to explode. I, I, I don't see how it's going to. For you true Christians out there, 
uh, get ready. Like T D J said, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. He gonna be here though. But <laughs> Okay, I'm just joking. Um just make sure you're ready to go. Don't don't have your eyes on this world stuff. Um you can't if you if you can't if you can't take it with you in the grave, don't worry about it. I I've not I've yet to see a giant grave with a man's cars and and and, and hot saunas and big steam TVs buried right with him right in the middle of everything, and then they bury him. I've never seen that happen before, and it's never going to happen. Now the pharaohs used to do that; they used to bury their people with you know you know dress them up, put them put them in this mummy mummified suit. You know, and put the, you know, do kind of weird stuff to bring them back and say, well, you're going to come back later, as you know, and this is going to preserve your, your body and so what and so forth. But um, it doesn't work. We know that. We know that very well. Um, so we have to be ready. Because at an hour, you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, yeah, if if it's a two-day event, yeah, you're not going to know what hour he's coming still. But you know when he's at the door. When, when he's at the door, that's like days away. It's not months. I don't think he was at the door. Uh, now, compared to how long the world has been waiting for Jesus to come back, yeah, he is. He was at the door fifty years ago, but per se, with the scriptures is saying, I don't think. I think he was talking about Rosh Hashanah. I think he was talking about within days. You know, when he's at the door, you know that the Messiah is going to come take the church out pretty soon. Uh, I don't own the patents on Bible prophecy, but I do believe that we're going to see Damascus uh, destroy. Uh, hopefully to evacuate the city. You know, the Jewish people, Israel, are very um, nice people. They're, they're not like the United States just bomb people and kill people. So I think what what, what these people might do, because the Bible never said that the masses is destroying the revolution, heat, millions to die, a thousand to die. It didn't say that. It just said that the masses, the buildings were ruinous heat. So a lot of people are being flushed out of Damascus. But when when you're when you pray tonight, pray for the people of Damascus because we might wake up one morning and Damascus is gone. Um, now Psalm eighty three is supposed to be a, a war of Israel's mourning nation. Now we know that Psalm eighty three is a com- conflict that will happen in the latter days. Uh, and the nations that are in, in, in uh, Psalm 83 are not found in Ezekiel 38 and 39. <clears throat> so, my best guess is Psalms 83 and Isaiah 17 happened during Rosh Hashanah. And there's a, there's a slim chance that Ezekiel 38 and 39 can still cover a three-day event, too. So I'm talking about shock and awe, which I don't think any Bible prophecy teachers even 
even we can even fathom what can happen in three days. And people say, well, what did he mean by when they holler peace and safety? Well, you notice in Ezekiel 38-39, there's no, the word peace is not found. So that, that means there was never any peace, uh, peace contract. And if you look closely at some, um, excuse me, uh, Ezekiel 39, it says it took seven years to burn the weapons. So that's telling us, it's giving us a hint, even if it's small, to, to not despise small things. That's probably telling us that um, um, let me see something right quick. It's probably telling us that um, it's probably telling us that uh, the book of Ezekiel 38-39 war is outside of the tribulation period going in. Um, so Isaiah 17 talks about nations rushing in like a mighty wind at the end of the chapter. Now that's either one or two things. It's either Psalms 83 nations rushing in like a mighty wind or Ezekiel 38 rushing in like a mighty wind. Now, could Psalms 83 cause Isaiah 17, verse 1, which causes Ezekiel 38 and 39, which the nations rush in like a mighty wind? And could these, they, could that war, could those wars be really, really close, like a two-day, three-day event where everything happens so fast, so quick, so swift, that it surprises the whole world? Even the Bible teachers and the Bible preachers. Now, we're not going to be too surprised because the church will be gone in that mix. We get up in heaven and we'll be sort of surprised, but we have glorified bodies. So I don't know if surprises are really going to trickulate in that body. But it's a glorious time to be alive, folks. And, it, and if, you, if you have integrity, you be honest with God. He says, in my integrity, do I serve you? I mean, if you have integrity, if you if you come to God as a child, and, and, and like he said, that we must come to God as a child, and we acknowledge before him our sins, and we acknowledge that we can't do nothing without him, uh, like a little child can't do nothing without their parents. Now, when you get to a point where you become a know-it-all kid, you got your problems already. Your life, your life problems have just started. But when you are a submissive kid, <clears throat> that's what God wants: submissive children. He wants submissive people. And we need to pray that our eyes be open because we have to get ready, folks. And what you do for Christ now will last. What you do for yourself will not. Even the good things will not last. He says, be careful that you, you did not caught up with the cares of this life so that day would come upon you unaware. What day? Since we know the day, what day is it? What is, what, is, what is he talking about? The day. So that day would not come upon you unaware. <coughs> says, hide yourself for a little bit of time so the alien nation pass by. 
What does he mean by that? Found in Isaiah. I think that's Isaiah. You hide yourself from what? Tribulation. He says um, in uh, Revelation chapter 3, talks to the church of Philadelphia, he says, I will keep you out of the time of testing that coming upon the whole world. You gotta keep me out of the whole world, the time of testing. How can you keep me if you if you just reserve me down here? And he says that the Antichrist will frustrate the saints. That's a contradiction. That's saying that some people are saying, well, he's just gonna reserve us. He's gonna, you know, keep us safe. No, he's not. He says in um, uh, Revelation 15, he says, I, I count the, the countless of people before the throne of God who who died in the tribulation period, got their head chopped off for the witness of Christ. So how were they reserved? The only way they can be reserved is to keep you out of the time of testing that's coming upon the whole world. It means to rapture you out of here. And, you know, the thing is, I'm hoping that he does not leave those who don't believe in the rapture because he says, I'm only going to come to those who are looking for me the second time. What does he mean by that? You have to be watching well, I know if you go into the playoffs and you don't know you're going to go into the playoffs and you're not prepared to go into the playoffs and your high school football team will get blew out. If you if you got a test at college and you don't study for the test, you're going to flunk it. It's cut and dry. Now, if you, you're going to church, these churches these days who don't preach Bible prophecy, what's going to happen? You're not going to be ready. Now, there there are people who not really looking for Jesus Christ to come back, but their relationship with Christ is really solid. Yeah, they're going to go. But what if, what, if, what, if, what if knowing Christ will come back any moment, uh, and that includes Rosh Hashanah, but I mean imminent, because the church, they notice the church is not told to study. Uh, it's, a, it's actually a gift to know Rosh Hashanah. Uh, and I don't think God really told us to go and study because it's in the Bible. It, it's, it's almost there as a treasure that if we if we study the Feast of Trumpets, then we'll be blessed. If we study Leviticus 23 with all the feasts, we'll be blessed. But what if the church is not told to to to, to acknowledge those because God wanted us to have an imminent uh idea that he can come back at any moment, which kept the church healthy. Well, healthy is it's going to get. You're still going to have your battles. You're still going to get your butt kicked. But uh, that's only to the church who believe that easy believism is the remedy. Well, I can go, I can say a prayer, and then I can go off and do what I want to do. No, you still need to Walk with God. You still need to live for God. You still need to put God first in your life. You still need to ask God's power to deliver you from sins. Uh, you also got to have the will of God. They pray that you will have a revelation of the knowledge of God and pray that you have a revelation of the will of God and that his will is your will. They say his will be done. That I delight to do the, you know, God's will. If you delight to do God's will, you're gonna to want to do God's will. Um, 
you're not you're not gonna want to do your own, you know. So I, I'm just saying right now that we need to get ready for Christ's return. If you don't know Jesus is your personal savior, talk to him today. He says in Revelations three twenty, ask him to forgive you of your sins and acknowledge that you 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 belong to Christ now. You live for Christ daily. It's not it's not just I say a prayer and then I own my I still own my life. Jesus wants to take care of you, he wants to provide for you, he wants to provide peace. You know how many people will will, will go for peace rather than riches? Not very many. They rather just be irritated and and suicidal and depressed because they run in a corporation. You know, and don't have any peace. Blessed is the person who runs a corporation who has peace. With a lot of responsibilities come a lot of heartaches. And if you're a Hollywood actress or somebody in the limelight, and and, and you know, and deep in your soul, that uh, you're going to have to make a decision. One way or the other, where Grandma uh, raised you as a Christian, you want to return back to that, but you you don't want to, you know, offend anybody to get out of that lifestyle. You're gonna have to walk away, son, daughter. You have to walk away. You're gonna have to walk away. Do like Stacy Lattisaw did, walk away. Man, and she's as blessed as ever. She's got it. She's, she's got. She's making albums, and she's she's a true Christian, not like some of these watered down, uh, you know, gospel singers who just have no idea hanging around prosperity preachers all day long and talking about in the video. That's what I want. You know, I want I want to have the big big house and big big cars and and stuff and and things. I mean, come on, lady, get saved and and ask for peace. You know, that stuff will come. Seek the kingdom, seek righteousness, seek God's kingdom. That's what we want to do. We want to seek God's kingdom. Uh I I mean, folks, we we we're, we're living. We we're, we're down to the, to the to the end. We are so down to the end. We we are days away, if not months. It ain't going too long before we see our King Jesus. And if you if you don't if you don't make it in the rapture, it's gonna be a lot harder to go to heaven after that. Because you're gonna have to lose your life. And if you if you're not willing to lose your life for his sake, then the Bible talks about uh man living their life unto death. That means they're not willing to uh die for Christ. They're not willing to uh, do the right thing and 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 uh put their life on the chopping block because the Antichrist is going to be beheading people for the witness of Christ. 
So I hope y'all enjoyed this show. Uh, I sort of stayed on the same. We have problems staying on the same subject because I get so excited. But um, we're going to do this uh, thing again, hopefully tomorrow morning. Uh, uh, We've been blessed by this radio program because we got a lot of listeners, but uh, had I been doing it uh, constantly consistent, I would probably would have. I enjoy listeners because that means I'm reaching people. But God bless y'all, and um, you know, just look into our, our archives and, and listen to our old shows, and check me out on the www.prophecysonradio.com. God bless y'all. Have a wonderful day.